When Johnny was just a wee lad, the church's father pastor was growing rapidly. The average-sized building was quickly becoming too small to fit everybody. What a wonderful problem to have. The children and youth ministries were growing the fastest, quickly outgrowing the few classrooms in the church building. The pastor had a vision to expand. Thankfully, the church already had a large property with room to build another building behind the existing one. So with faith in his heart, he poured out his vision to the church and began to raise money. They needed a larger space to accommodate all of these souls God was going to send. As the church sacrificially gave the time to build Cain, many of the church family worked as professional laborers. So the majority worked in agriculture. They operated heavy machinery. Some were plumbers, others electricians. Many of the saints were simply strong, solid workers. Left and right, God began to place burdens for the new building on the hearts of the people. Some volunteered to lay the metal roofing. Others to hang sheetrock. God bless those sheetrockers. When the carpet arrived, people in the church who worked as professional floorers volunteered to cut and lay the carpet. As the interior was finished, several volunteers helped decorate. In no time, the new building, known forever and always as simply the Annex, stood tall, stood proud at the back of the church property. It boasted 1,200 square feet and multiple large modern classrooms ready to receive their very first group for children's church. Before the first group of students ever had class in the new building, the congregation gathered in the parking lot to formally pray and dedicate the new building. The many builders and decorators stood together, glowing happily. Each worker could identify the beam, the window, the electrical outlet, the PVC pipe, or the sheet of insulation they helped install. And of course, the sheetrockers could tell you where they hung sheetrock. God bless those sheetrockers. Every person who contributed was able to recognize and celebrate the fact that God had called and anointed them for this mission. Aside from the foundation, the rest of the building was 100% built by the members of the church who volunteered their time. And their efforts were not in vain. Within a few years, all children's and youth ministries in the church exploded in size. Almost 100 attendees every Sunday morning were under the age of 18, outnumbering even the adult class. The faithful sacrifice of these workers is a perfect example of what can happen when God's people bind together as a unified body to use their unique gifts and talents to advance the kingdom of God. And we'll get to talk a lot about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to yours truly, L.J. Harry. Happy to be your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson that was dated September 25th, 2022, and it is entitled, Filled with God's Glory. Today we're going to take a look at Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 35. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn there. I'm reading Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 35. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What a day that must have been. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation, because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
Now, the building of the tabernacle is one of the most powerful and symbolic stories in the entire Old Testament. It was filled with foreshadowing of things to come. The very materials used to construct this portable building would have implications for millennia to come. Much of the tabernacle was constructed of acacia wood. It was a rough, prickly material overlaid with precious gold. In addition, the building was spiritually significant. The men who built the tabernacle were greatly important. The Israelites at that time were a mobile people. They were nomads. They couldn't simply plant a temple in the ground in an arbitrary spot because they were going to have to pick up and move on. And, well, it's kind of hard to do that with a permanent temple. In the day and age they lived, contractors and professional building companies were basically non-existent. There was no Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, not even a little do-it-best hardware store right there in the wilderness where they wandered. Even if there was a local construction company, many of the inhabitants of that land were hostile to the Israelites. They, they wouldn't want to help Israel build anything except maybe a bridge to get across the Red Sea go back to Egypt where they came from. So it was necessary for God to raise up spiritually gifted men from among them to oversee as they built this holy tabernacle. Before the construction of the tabernacle could begin, God selected wise and skilled workers to oversee this process. They weren't only talented in their professions, they were anointed by God to do the work of the kingdom of God. Two of the men God chose to lead this work were Bezalel and Aholiab. Their calling is recorded in Exodus 35, verses 30 through 35. Bezalel is the first worker listed. We're not really certain, but the wording of the scripture text seems to indicate he had every skill set Aholiab had, but Bezalel had even more. Bezalel could cut and set stone and carve wood. Both men had complementary skill sets. They were perfect to lead this work. But these men were not just skilled in their specific areas of labor. Scripture makes a special note that these two were granted a God-given ability to teach others how to work as well. This is important for anybody who wants to be in leadership today. When God guides people into leadership roles, he typically also gives them the ability to train others which exponentially increases their ministry and allows others to be a part of the kingdom of God. Exodus 36 verses 1 through 7 records that Bezalel, Aholiab, and all the other skilled artisans were granted wisdom and understanding as well as skills and abilities to do the work necessary to build the tabernacle. But the workers were not the only ones with responsibilities. All of Israel was called to help through giving their offerings And their giving was so generous that eventually the workers reported to Moses, Hey, Moses, (laughs) we got everything we need and much more. Now that would be a wonderful problem to have. Could you imagine the pastor saying, Well, we would receive an offering today, but the coffers are full. We've given everything we have to missions and we have plenty of money. Basically, the bank and the IRS are telling us that we have to stop giving. We just have too much money. As I live and breathe, I've never heard that problem before. (laughs) This story provides an excellent analogy for the way every church should operate in terms of supporting and contributing to the work of the kingdom of God. Some are called to senior leadership, like Moses was. Just like God gave Moses to be Israel's God-called spiritual leader, God has given us a pastor to lead and oversee the work of his church. God has also granted other leaders to oversee specific sections of the church, like Bezalel and Aholiab did. These men could be seen kind of like department leaders, like 
a youth pastor, a Sunday school director, a children's ministries pastor, a men's director, a ladies' ministries director, a peanut brittle-making director. You know, those ministry leaders. God has also provided workers like the many skilled laborers who don't have a title but still work voluntarily and gratefully under the direction of these leaders like Moses, Bezalel, and Aholiab. The church needs faithful laborers, many who will show up week after week. Even if you don't feel like you are a spiritual leader or you don't feel like you are a director of a particular ministry, God still calls for all of us to be involved by giving our offerings week after week so we can continue to support the work of God. Even those who can't work can still give. Here's a question. Think about your own life and what areas has God gifted you that you will use for his glory? And in what other areas would you like to grow and learn? All of us should pray about how we can contribute in God's church. God has given everyone unique abilities, and there's no such thing as too many laborers. God is calling all of us to work in his church in the areas in which he has gifted and called us. Certainly, there must be some area of ministry where you can labor and help advance the kingdom of God. Everybody is called to give. If you're not sure what areas you're called to, well then pray. Ask God to reveal the things to you that he would like you to do and ask your pastor and your church leaders for guidance. God will hear the sincere prayers of those who seek to serve. Every aspect of the tabernacle in its construction, the materials, the workers, the function and use of the tabernacle teach us important lessons that still apply to us. The tabernacle served as an important foreshadowing of Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Christ himself was the ultimate fulfillment of the tabernacle. For John recorded that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1 verse 14. This imagery is the same as the tabernacle that dwelt in the central part of the Israelite camp. The original Greek text paints this picture. The word became flesh and did tabernacle among us. John 1 verse 14 from the Young's Literal Translation. The writer of Hebrews used the analogy of the tabernacle to demonstrate the importance of understanding that Jesus Christ is greater than the tabernacle. This new covenant we have in Jesus is even greater than the covenant we had with the tabernacle. One passage records Christ becoming an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, Hebrews 9 verse 11. Because Jesus' sacrifice was more complete and more perfect than any lamb or dove offered under the old covenant, the new covenant he established was greater and more perfect. You might say it was greater and perfecter. The second covenant doesn't require physical offerings at a physical tabernacle such as lambs and turtle doves and rams and bulls and pigeons, but it does require an internal spiritual connection with God. The Bible records these words of God. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise God. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Hebrews 10, verses 16 through 18. Another question. What things are easier under the new covenant? And what things might be harder? To think of those things that might be more difficult, think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he said, in the law, it says, thou shalt not murder. 
But I tell you, if you hate your brother without a cause, you've already murdered him in your heart. That deals more with internal than external. After his lengthy explanation of the new covenant, the writer of Hebrews encouraged his readers, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Hebrews 10 verses 22 through 25. This passage contains three basic exhortations. The first is for us to draw near to God. Receive God into our hearts through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The second exhortation is for us to remain faithful without wavering. We must also to continue to grow and mature in Jesus Christ every day. And the third is for us to remember we are part of the body of Christ and to encourage and strengthen one another. We're not just called to be saved alone. We must also work to disciple the lost and build our fellow believers. Another question. How can we perform each of these above elements every day? Think about some practical examples in which we can draw near to God, continue to grow, and help others to grow in the body of Christ. Well, these workers were unified. They gathered the materials. The labor was grueling, but they finally finished the work. The tabernacle was built. Its mobile design allowed it to be disassembled and reassembled whenever the Lord instructed the Israelites to move from place to place. And finally, the tabernacle was ready for sacrifices. Their place of worship was ready to receive the priests who administered daily before the Lord. All of Israel had this central focus right there in the middle of their camp to focus their eyes and remind themselves where their ultimate protection and provision comes from. After the tabernacle was finished, a miraculous, glorious event happened that reaffirmed the Lord's blessing over all the work they had done. As Moses and the children of Israel looked on, a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This glory cloud was so thick, Moses could not even enter this tabernacle structure. The supernatural, visible manifestation of God's presence was not just a one-time occurrence. In fact, this glory cloud that overshadowed the tabernacle was forevermore an indicator when it was time for them to move. If the glory cloud surrounded the tabernacle, stay where you are. However, when that cloud lifted, the Israelites packed up camp and left. God's Spirit dictated when and how often they moved. The glory cloud provides appropriate instruction for how we follow God's Spirit today. When God's holy presence descends and fills our lives, we can be confident we are right in the middle of the place God wants us to be. But if we ever sense the absence of God's glory, we've either moved out of His will or it's time for us to move so we can be in God's will. We must continually seek God's presence and abide wherever His Spirit dwells. The tabernacle provides another important symbol and foreshadowing. In the New Covenant, God's Spirit no longer dwells in the Ark of the Covenant, no longer dwells inside an ornate box surrounded by a physical tent. Now, God's Spirit lives inside of us. Each one of us is an individual tabernacle in which the Holy Spirit longs to dwell. And this was confirmed by Paul when he asked the question, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. 
The temple was the permanent single-site dwelling of God after the tabernacle. Now, in an era when tabernacles and temples are no longer required, we are God's holy dwelling place. Ephesians 2 verse 22, Paul recorded that God has collectively built his church into a habitation or dwelling place in which he abides. But God will not force his spirit on anyone. God has chosen all of us to be tabernacles in which he dwells, but we must choose to allow him to abide within us. Peter called us to repent and be baptized for the remission of our sins, and God will fill our lives with his Holy Spirit and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can see that in Acts 2, verse 38, and 1 John 1, verse 9. So from this day forward, let us choose every day to allow God's Spirit to tabernacle within us. Okay, let's wrap this up. When Johnny grew older, he had the opportunity to be a very small part of another church-building program. In the years 2017 and 2018, he and his wife traveled to the South Pacific island country of Vanuatu as associate missions workers. In 2015, just a couple years prior to their arrival, a cyclone tore across the nation and destroyed the flagship church building for the United Pentecostal Church of Vanuatu. The roof collapsed and the entire structure sustained massive water damage. But in the midst of the destruction, the missionaries, the local ministers, the churchgoers refused to see only destruction. Instead, they saw opportunity. The church sat at the base of a large hill on the property the church owned. And when the rubble was finally cleared, the foundation was found to be solid. The local workers drew up some plans to turn the site of the church into an outdoor amphitheater. This would allow far more people to come and experience the presence of God and for their services and music to be heard far beyond the walls of a physical building. By the time Johnny and Jen arrived in 2017, the majority of the work had already been done. A small portion of their budget was used to renovate some classrooms in the basement below the amphitheater, which are now used for Sunday school and Bible school. As Johnny sat in that massive theater for the first time during their national conference, he thought of the devastating story of Cyclone Pam and the inspirational story of the new amphitheater rising from the rubble. And now he had a chance to observe faithful saints and ministers from all around the country gathered to the side of the amphitheater to worship God in unity. He stood on the platform and looked over the congregation. They filled the ground floor to max capacity, and beyond them attendees could be seen all the way up the hillside. Hundreds and hundreds of precious souls hungry to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Johnny could not help but be moved to tears as he reflected on the goodness and the blessings of God. The Holy Spirit descended on that conference meeting as people worshipped and praised God. It was clear God had chosen that ground as a place to dwell. And no gale force winds or cyclone could stop God's plan for the nation of Vanuatu. God had chosen his dwelling place. Us... And now we can worship him together. I would like to pray for a few things. First off, I want to thank God for the gifts he has given each of us to use for his glory and to bless his church. Secondly, I'd like to pray for God to use us for his glory and to show us the gifts he would like us to use to bless him and bring him glory. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the gifts you have given your church. The people, the men, the women, the children, the students, you have specially gifted for this time to minister, bring glory to you, make disciples. I ask you today, God, to use us. Use us for your glory. We dedicate those gifts to you, whatever those gifts may be, whatever passions or pensions you've given us. I pray, God, use us to 
minister unto you and to others, all for your glory. God, help us to know what those gifts are. If we're unclear, show us what you would have us to use. If we do know, God, give us the the boldness, the courage to use those gifts for your glory. And I pray, God, that you would build your church and continue to grow your church through your people as we give back to you what you have given to us for the cause of the glory of God in making disciples. We pray this today and give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, faithful God's Word for Life listeners, and thank you, first-time God's Word for Life listeners, for listening to the God's Word for Life Companion podcast. Be sure to click subscribe, share, click the bell button, the like button, the follow button. That way you'll never miss an episode, and share it so none of your friends or family have to miss an episode either. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We've got some fantastic resources to help you as you use the gifts you have for God's glory. A couple I'd like to highlight that relate to today's episode, The Handbook on the Pentateuch by Chris Paris, which is a part of our outstanding, excellent Apostolic Handbook series. And also, The Tabernacle, Shadow of Salvation by Bill Paramore. You can find both of those at PentecostalPublishing.com, and the links for both of those are available in the show notes to help you continue to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God, especially as it relates to today's episode. Next week, we jump testaments and we start a brand new series called Jesus is Lord. And our first episode is called A House Divided. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.